You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And this week we speak to Anu Smith from Sky Blue Fund Managers in the Western Cape. Anu, it's been a week of records in the United States of America. It's been a week of trading updates and results from the JSC Securities Exchange. It's been a week of politics both in the United Kingdom and the United States of America. It's actually been a very, very busy week. And it's also been a week of low volumes. Uh, maybe we could touch mm-hmm. on that because my previous commentator was bemoaning the fact that there's absolutely nothing going on. And looking at the JSE now, as we pre-record this at what quarter past 11 on a Friday morning, there's nothing going on. No movement, no volume, dead. Yeah, look, I think that's very true. Um, volume has just died down completely. And uh, it's also, I read an article about delistings as well. So, yeah, look, I think it's probably a sign of the times that we are in. Um, so, yeah, that's, I don't know how it will turn around. I think we need an injection of a bit of sentiment to turn it around. Um, it could be inflation-driven, which uh, is still looking as though it's driving lower, uh, maybe leading to a rate cut as we get to the, towards the year end. Um, but but obviously, clearly something needs to happen to, to get some action back on the market. But yeah, as it stands, uh, like like you said, the volume is very low. And like I said, there's there's some glaring um, uh, delistings or rumors of delistings uh, in, 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 you know, so, and, and that's not something you want. I don't think JC uh, would be very happy. And I suppose you can make, make an argument that some of the other industry, industry markets are, are taking um, some of a slice of the action, but I mean, you're not really seeing any, any action on the, on the new exchanges. So it's definitely not that. It's just that, that volumes has, has died down. And I think it's the foreign interest which has also died down. Um, I mean, if you look at a three month rolling foreign uh, inflows, portfolio flows, uh, that's still negative. So we haven't really seen foreigners coming back into the market. I think until that happens, um, the volumes would probably be or stay low. Um, and until until we see them returning to the market. Yes, quite right. And I always take the sort of devil's advocate view. When people are too bullish, I say, but what about this? When people are too bearish, I say, but, and this is the way I'm going to say, but now, mm-hmm. there's obviously opportunities because if everyone's going in one direction, it leaves a sort of a vacuum and leaves a few rich pickings. I'm not saying that ghastly phrase, mm-hmm. low-hanging fruit, but it, it, it must present some opportunities for fine quality companies that are being ignored because of the foreign dis interest in South Africa. I think there's lots of examples of that. I mean, if you be just look through, just quickly through through this week's uh, results that came out, and, and you look at Vodacom, uh, I, I, I thought it's not a bad set of results. Multi-choice of all companies, surprising, I think, well, definitely surprising me. Um, Robex, also a smaller player in, in the construction, although not so small anymore. Um, also not bad. Um, Aspen, I mean, the, the announcement of, of the sale um, that reduces the, I think it reduces the debt, total debt by almost 8%. And remember, that was the biggest problem for Aspen was was the debt um, they, they, they had on the balance sheet. Telcom even, I mean, Telcom, yeah, the earnings is down. but Telcom was shocking, come on now. It was down 8.3% yeah, yesterday. What I do like about Telcom is it does, it does sound as though, and I remember sound, and we're looking into the future, and obviously yes. we need to see some action, but it does sound as though they've got a plan. Um, and, and there's been some CapEx expenditure on the mobile side and the fiber side. Um, so it seems as though they're moving away from the fixed line and have now after, I don't know how many years, realized that fixed line is dead, they would have to do something else. So, yes, results are – but that, again – I think the the sentiment is 
so negative and, and companies are getting punished if, if they make one wrong move and therein lies the opportunity. Um, a company like, like, like Aspen is a very good example. Aspen uh, had a huge amount of debt and, and I mean that, that share price just came down in heaps and um, apparently they're selling off some of the some of the parts and if this deal goes through, um, I think it's a, the deal number is about 6.58 billion and total debt on, on, on Aspen is about 40 bill. They're about might even be less. Um, now you can do the sums yourself. So that's a, that's a substantial reduction in, in, in debt. Um, we've seen it with Tiger Brands, not this week, but prior to this week, we've seen that Tiger Brands is also looking for somebody to, to, to buy the value added meat, um, portion of the business. I don't know who wants to buy it, to be honest, but maybe yeah. if you rebrand the stuff, you can actually do something with it. Um, but but just stripping that part of Tiger Brands out um, decreases the, the, the debt, you know, leverage problem, the gearing problem substantially. And and, and it, you, one's got to remember that if, if it's trading on a 15P um, and the earnings on, on that part of the business is negative, as soon as you strip it out, it actually contributes to, to earnings. So it's, it's not only that, it, that it's zero, it's actually now becoming positive because the rest of the business is doing fine, but this portion sucks out cash. Um, so for shareholders, that's a, that's a great move. So I do think there's definitely opportunities to come back to your question. Um, but you would have to be a stock picker. You can't just buy, and I've been saying this for probably months now, but you can't just buy the index. Um, you know, the, the index is, uh, you can buy it, but I think you can make more money if, if you do proper stock picking. Um, Very good point. But um, you, you have to be quite selective, obviously, mm-hmm. and that's the nature of stock picking. Let's just get an update mm-hmm. on Telcom because at 10.19 South African time this morning, it said following, further to the cautionary announcement released by the company on the Stock Exchange News Service on the 12th of November, shareholders are advised that Telcom is in discussions with CellC Limited mm. regarding the potential acquisition of CellC, in brackets, potential acquisition, PA. Telcom mm-hmm. has substantially concluded its due diligence. That must have taken a while. However, discussions are at a preliminary stage. The PA will be subject to CellC completing a financial restructuring to ensure that its gearing levels are reduced to a sustainable level as specified by Telcom and commercial contractual relationships are renegotiated to terms acceptable to Telcom. In other words, you do what we say, you dance to our tune. The PA or potential acquisition will be subject to a number of regulatory approvals. If concluded, this may have a material effect on the price of the company's securities. Telcom up, by the way, around about 2.5% this morning, which is nothing compared to the 8.3% yesterday. People are probably saying, well, the algos are saying, well, let's get in there now because there'll be a rush of buying, uh, a rush of short mm-hmm. covering. But on the other hand, I think probably people are saying Telcom and Celsi all together in one. Come on now, Celsi has been a disaster. Yeah, Celsi has been a disaster, and I think that, that that's probably why they put those... You know the, the 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 rules of the deal in there, and I, I mean, if if you read that um, between the lines, you can clearly see that it's a one-sided deal. Um, the current owners, I think, are desperate to get rid of Celsius because it's it's burning cash. Um, but if Telcom, like I said, so so if if the intention is to build out the fiber and the mobile platform, they've got the infrastructure in place. Remember that. Um, so if they add the Celsius, maybe rebrand it into Telcom Mobile, mobile or whatever, and and Combine the inter- and and that could actually work over time. Yes. Um, but but I mean that that there's a lot of coulds in that sentence. So again, I say mm-hmm. it's all about the action of, of of management. But you know, if I look at something like multi choice and, and Robex and and even Vodacom, and you can look at Spar. 
Um, it just goes to show that even in this tough economy, um, that we've got management teams in South Africa that can actually make money. And I mean, uh, if you look at the economy and, and you look at, at the macro picture, you shouldn't be able to make money in South Africa. And I think about clicks as well. Um, so that, that's why I'm saying, you know, stock picking is very, very important because if there's no growth, um, the guy who wins, be it a click, be it a pick and pay, they take market share from the losers. So you don't want to be part of the loser group. You want to be in the, in, in the winners group. Um, the, the, the only problem with that is a lot of the winners has already priced that in. So what you need to try and do is, is try and look at the guys that are still able to, to grow earnings, um, that's not carrying a huge amount of debt, or who is busy decreasing or you know cutting down the debt exposure, um, and, and that is still cheap. Those are the types of companies I, I would be looking at. Um, and I think there are some examples that, that one can look at. Um, Sorry to interrupt you, but I was talking about that. I mean, the stock picking aspect of your conversation. Um, I was talking to somebody about Renet, for example, about companies that are trading at very large discounts, historically large discounts mm-hmm. to their mm-hmm. net asset value, their NAV. And two came up. It was Renet was the first one because of their share buyback program. Mm-hmm. And the second one was Long for Life. And I think it was Wayne McCurry saying that he'd met Brian Joffe and Brian Joffe thinks this, this, and this, and the sum of the parts would be maybe 40% more than the prevailing share price. So mm-hmm. maybe there's a few bargains out there for deep value investors. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, uh, Roynet, I, I wouldn't say it's deep value. Um, the price is up um, already. Uh, I've, I've got some so just to disclose. Um, uh, but, but uh, you know, so it, it is a holding company and you, also, you always get a discount in a holding company. The share buyback has just increased that discount, like you've said. Um, but the biggest problem in Renet is, is they had a huge amount of cash and they were doing very little with that and there was very little action taking place and that seems to be changing slowly but surely. But I mean, that, 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 that's typical... You know that, that that's how they function. Um, nothing they do is, is quick and brash, and it's not it's not a it's not a cowboy company. It's a long term investment game, and and uh, if you're in it, you have to you I suppose you have to be in it for for the long term. Um, but yeah, like I said, the price is already substantially up from from where it came from. Um, but there might be some more legs left. Yeah, it's, it's it's not expensive. Let's put it that way. No, it's certainly not expensive. The other set of results that really caught my eye, apart from the bad ones from Telcom and the noise around Telcom with the with the cautionary on the same day is the spa group. I think Graham Mm. O'Connor, he's one of my favorite CEOs. I mean, I'm a sucker for someone who's actually polite to me and is always Mm -hmm. sort of upbeat, but they really, they've turned around their Swiss operations and okay, it only grew its turnover, I think by 1.2% in Swiss franc terms, if my memory serves me correctly, Mm -hmm. but Ireland doing very well. I didn't realize they had such a big presence. They've got 1,360 stores, I think in Ireland. And I put that to Graham O'Connor and he said, uh, well, Lindsay, you know, they're, they're all small stores, you know, it's, just, it's a small country <laughs> and these are small convenience stores. It's not like the big ones we have in South Africa. Yeah, but Spa's results really sparkled. Yeah, look, and it, uh, the way they do the expansion is very different to some of the other examples. I mean, uh, they would open one store and see if it works. If it works, they'll open the second one and so forth. Um, so the whole model is is, is, is different to, some, to most of the other retailers. And it seems to be working, especially for, for the expansions, especially abroad. 
it works much better than some of the other examples we've seen up until now because some of them has, have been atrocious. Um, you know, and then there was an article yesterday, and this is in the roundabout way. I'm going to bring it back to this article. So I want to mention this article. There's an article. There was an article on Bloomberg about. Uh, the indebtedness and the inability of municipalities in South Africa to function. And, you know, and, and that, that's probably the core problem in South Africa is, is yes, we all look at the top national politics, but the main problem sits within municipalities. Municipalities is, is indebted to the, to the hilt. They've got no money left, um, be it uh, due to, to corruption or whatever the cause might be. I just think it's mismanagement. And um, you've got infrastructure falling apart. So there's an inability from municipalities to actually look after infrastructure because they, the cash flow they get, they just need to keep things afloat. Um, and then... In the system, we've got a problem where national government can't actually inject um, uh, money back into municipalities to look after infrastructure. They can give them money to to build new infrastructure, but they can't pay their money to look to, you know to 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 upkeep the the infrastructure. So that's a system they would have to change because municipalities doesn't have they don't have the money to look after the infrastructure. But having said that, um, you know, so, so and then they spoke to a lot of people there, and they spoke to companies that, that went abroad and companies who told them how they're struggling in South Africa. And I thought about it, I said, you know, the problem we've got in South Africa is a lot of our, our companies, uh, big companies, has gone into Africa. So you would see well-known names, especially the retail space, that, that went into Africa. Um, but, but the problem with that is we're taking capital out of South Africa and we're investing in, in, in Africa um, and we're giving them all the expertise. What we should maybe have done, those companies, is maybe not open a shop, but maybe say to the guys in Nigeria or wherever it is, I've seen Tiger Brands also not closing down um, their Nigerian operations, is maybe set, uh, teamed up with somebody in that country and say, well, we'll, we'll, just, uh, we'll supply you open the shop and it's your shop. And that's a startup type of model. Yes. Um, then we don't have to take capital out of South Africa. We're actually making profits from, from this expansion. But the risk still sits with Nigeria, for example. Um, and I think that that's a lesson that we could maybe hopefully learn going forward. Uh, you know, because that money, to, to be honest, could have been better spent in South Africa, I think. Um, and a lot of those people that went into Africa, a lot of those companies, is actually now coming back to South Africa. And we see this cycle over and over and over again. Companies who's going abroad, be it Africa or further abroad, um, and then they come back into South Africa after they've made losses. So, yeah, a company that can actually do that expansion up and a, a management team that can do it, it's, it's exceptional, to be honest. I mean, NASPAS, I suppose, is also a good example. Just going back to retail, don't you think the retail environment in South Africa is quite remarkable? I, mean, I travel occasionally and uh, I'm currently living abroad, and the South African retail environment is so much more sophisticated than it is where I currently mm. am in the Netherlands. I mean, these people are, are backward. I mean, they're playing playing with two sticks and uh, South Africa's playing with a zippo when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to retailing the sophistication. <laughs> I remember talking to David Neal from Clicks and him telling me about their promotional and, and marketing campaign. So it's the end of the month or, mm. on benefits day, or on payday, if they coincide, then they blitz everybody with these with these incredible specials. And he would tell me that 
there will be little uh, buying groups within certain communities. They'll get all mm. the um, various promotional uh, inserts in the newspapers, take them out, decide what they're going to buy. They'll they'll pull their money and they all go and, and, and buy this. And Clicks uh, immediately identified this and and blitzed it. And also Graham O'Connor again from Spa said they they don't follow the Clicks model, but they do. They're heavily reliant on these specials and these marketing campaigns. They have managed to get blood out of a stone uh, because we are under pressure in South Africa. Yeah, look, if, if, uh, I know that that's a very good point you're making. Um, again, uh, it just shows you the ability of management. Um, uh, retail sales, the the number that came out was negative. So well, it was zero point two percent, wasn't so, it? Zero point two percent year on yeah, year. Yeah, so it's flat. Yeah. So, so it's flat, but but that's a nominal number. So if you subtract inflation from that, it's negative. Yes. Um, general retailers. Uh, earnings, 12-month earnings growth, uh, just that, that just for, for the sector as a, as a broad measure, is 8.53%. And food retail even, and I remember food retailers have been struggling with, with deflation in terms of pricing, um, that's up 2.907%. So it shows you exactly what, what you've spoken about, is that these guys, they've got an ability to actually squeeze out profits in this very, very difficult time. I mean, all of them, all the results, everybody has said, look, this is the most, one of the toughest periods we've ever experienced, uh, the likes of Mr. Price and so forth. Um, Spar is, is slightly different. Like you said, they, they've got the offshore side, um, uh, which helps them. But the local, local retailers, all of them have told you it's it's extremely difficult. But yet, if you look at the earnings, they, they still managed to actually eke out some earnings growth. Um, so like you say, I, I think we've got, Brilliant, brilliant retail uh, management teams in South Africa. I mean, to do this is, is exceptional. Yeah, and if any either of them are listening, or any of them are listening, rather, there are two chains that I think are ripe for the picking in the Netherlands. The Netherlands is a wealthy country, and the people that have that wealth are not being served properly. So if you're looking to expand overseas, don't look at the UK, don't look at Australia, look at the Netherlands, because this place uh, really could do with a shake-up. What else did you see this week? Let's talk about Hong Kong. Uh, you know, wow. and, and we, have, we have spoken about it in the past. And like I've said, I've been there quite a few times. And I know uh, a lot of South Africans have been there because you don't need a visa to go in. So you can just walk in and they stamp you in and you can walk out. Um, so it's fairly easy for us to travel to Hong Kong. And it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic place. I mean, it's so culturally diverse. It used to be fantastic. Let's put it that way. It probably still is. Um, and and, and it, it's so far removed from, from anything else. It's it's not China. It's not the West. It's something in between, you know. So it's but it's, it's a place that I I, I really like. And uh, you know that's, that's uh, so. What's currently going on is, is is a real real problem. I mean, the numbers they're waiting. We're waiting for for the actual numbers to come out. Um, but it looks as though they're definitely in a recession, and they're predicting another five percent. I think the number is for 2020. Now that that's minus five percent economic growth for the year 2020, and it's it's on top of a minus three percent um, in 2019, which is the estimate currently around about there. So you can now just imagine, and the the problem that Hong Kong sits with is. With China opening up to the rest of the world, Hong Kong has got this. Uh, it might be, it might become obsolete to the rest of the world because you don't need Hong Kong. I mean, what, what's the purpose of Hong Kong if you can go straight to to Shanghai? The Shanghai market is much much bigger than Hong Kong market, so you don't need a Hong Kong market, um, and and this creates a very big problem for the likes of Richmond. Um, we've seen it in Richmond's results. They've also mentioned that um, their sales. 
of, of certain uh, category sectors is down, mostly due to Hong Kong sales being down. Um, and remember, it's a small country, very, very small, and um, it's, it's an open country, and um, it, it depends very much on tourism and on trade. Um, now, does it sound similar to anything else? Yes, it does. It sounds similar to South Africa. Yes. Um, and, 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 and we should be very careful because that's, I want to get back to that point where I said we're going to Africa. We need to protect in a certain way what we have, but we also need to make friends and to help us to grow South Africa because otherwise we're going to become obsolete. So, you know, and, and I, I'm not a, it's, this is not a political statement at all. Um, but I mean, if, if we chase our people out of the country, um, then we're not making friends. Uh, we should be welcoming people into the country because we are a very, very small player in the globe. And, and the same, you know, applies to Hong Kong. So, yes, the protesters, I think what they stand for, the five things they want, there is definitely some, 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 some credibility in that. I'm not, I'm not arguing that, but they should just be very careful because if they take it too far, then Hong Kong becomes absolute. Nobody needs Hong Kong. Um, so it might just be that China says, well, look, uh, pff, not our problem. Just close it down and we'll go on on our own. And then, then they've really got a problem. That's not the Chinese um, way. So I mean, my so one, one hopes counter arguments. My counter-argument is that President Xi says, OK, I've had enough now, uh, and with the spirit of Tiananmen Square, which is a very facetious thing to say, but we will now clamp yeah. down, because yeah. otherwise yeah. this territory is going to fall into complete anarchy, which is very close to being yeah. an anarchic jurisdiction yeah, that, right that, now. That, 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 that is unfortunately true. Uh, one, one hopes that it doesn't happen. But like you said, I mean, uh, it seems as though the police, unfortunately, uh, has, has lost complete control and um, they really don't know how to regain control. So one of the counter arguments is that China should give up a little bit and say, well, uh, we'll, we'll amend some of the laws and um, you can appoint somebody of your own choice. Um, whether that would happen, I think that's a win-win situation. It might happen, you know, you never know. But, you know, I want to bring that back to that whole argument and I think people tend to forget the numbers and if you look at the population of North America versus Asia, um, I think I looked at the numbers last night, um, reading an article, and uh, it was, the numbers population-wise was 12%, so the North American population was 12% of what the Asian population was in 1950. That's dropped to 0.7% currently. Um, I think that's 2020 estimates. So the, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is, is that, you know, Mr. Trump, this protectionism, well, you should also be careful because if your population is declining in terms of, of, of percentage of global population, you might work yourself into a corner where you're so protectionist that nobody wants to be your friend. Mm -hmm. You're no longer a dominant in terms of world population, so what have you got left? Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that in, in the world. So, But, but that's, that's high-level stuff. That's stuff we can talk about over a beer or a glass of wine, I suppose. <laughs> yes, we should do that. There's an article, or rather a podcast that I conducted yesterday with a chap called Sahil Matani from Investec in London, Investec Asset Management in London, their investment institute. And he was talking about, about China. And what really impressed me about this and what really struck home and what really told me about, about the future, China versus the United States, they're doing a project about uh, rural China. And our rural China 
is being digitalized and the infrastructure is mm. being improved so that it's i mean one of the main things is food security i suppose mm -hmm. that the, the the whole agricultural wars between china and the united states is a coincidence because this this project was started many years ago but what they're doing is that they're saying right we've done very well with our cities now let's this untapped untapped rural population which is still 40 percent of the chinese population let's get them online let's get them producing and let's get them part of the economy and it is unbelievable and they do it very quietly but this uh, mm -hmm. interview I'd, i would go to the strictly business podcast.com if you get a free moment this weekend and have a listen to sahil because it was really fascinating stuff and uh, even if you're a china a skeptic i think you might be swayed yeah yeah look uh, look uh, china's definitely it's got its struggles um, and it's it's a long-term project. It's not something that they want to do in the next year or two years or three years. It's very much a long-term. But all I'm, you know, so it's worthwhile looking at the numbers. And if, if you look at the numbers, um, it just it, it has to happen. It, it can't go any other way unless China really screws it up. Um, there's no way that China can't. Uh, it, it, there's no reason why China shouldn't be the, the world power in some stage in the future. The numbers tells you. Um, so, so you know, so like, like Huawei, when 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 we had the well, we still um, Huawei being banned in in the US and some of some other countries. I mean, they they I think they're literally laughing at them, saying, "Well, you know, yeah, it's important to have you, but remember, I've got 1.8 what's it, what no, no, 1.8 billion people that can use my my, my phone, so I, or my technology. I don't really need you. Could have been nice, but yeah, so." I think it, it needs a slight change of tech from the U.S. in, in terms of, of uh, how they play the game. Um, protectionism, I don't think, is going to work um, over time. It might work in the short term, but over time they might lose out. Okay, we've done a great weekly wrap. Uh, let's uh, look forward to next week. What do we expect? Well, never mind next week. What about the next week, year, two years, five years? What are we, what are we looking at here, South Africa and internationally, of course, interlinked? Yeah, we, we, haven't, we haven't spoken about the most important thing that's happening today, I think. In terms of South Africa, and that, that's the the SAA strike, which is on the go as we speak. Yes, I saw um, that, and that was on the global news wires as well. Yeah. Um, so remember, uh, I think this is this is this could be the, um, the the biggest showdown between unions and the rest of South Africa. Um, I've spoken about this in the past, where if if you look at, at union the unions, they work in certain countries, but that's because. Everybody is employed. In South Africa, the unions has got almost a monopoly on, on labor, and, and it's now we can clearly see it. You know, So the rest of South Africa is saying, well, we need to cut costs somehow. We need to keep the country afloat. And the unions are saying, no, 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 no. We, we can't do that. We, we have to look after our, our employees. Now, both sides has got a, it's got a, a very good argument because the, the unions are saying, well, it's not our wrongdoing. You mismanage this. Um, and government is saying, but look, if, if you guys don't play ball, then the rest of the country is going to uh, fall apart. So uh, I, I think this could be a, the outcome of this could, could be very telling in, as to where South Africa is heading. Uh, I mean, if, if, if it's a case of government, and I don't think it's going to happen. Um, if government just says, okay, we'll give you another bailout, then we clearly know we're not going anywhere. If government takes a very hard stance on this, then it's telling you that they that they might be serious. They they actually taking action. Um, look, it's it's never good to have job losses. Um, I'm not saying that, and I, I can I can understand the union's point of view. 
But somebody needs to make hard choices. I mean, uh, otherwise we're all going to be out of a job uh, at the end of the day. And I, I think that that's what, what government is trying to say is look, we can't bail you out. Some Somewhere we have to draw the line. Um, we can give you, I think it's 5.8% increase, but that's it, and no job security. And, uh, you know, so just, just an, as an example, I mean, the, the unions are, are saying they should stop insourcing, but the unions started this whole insourcing process. They wanted insourcing. Now, all of a sudden, they're saying, no, 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 no. You should stop insourcing of security, and I think cleaning services, if I remember correctly. Um, so, but clearly, they're doing it because they're protecting those workers. They're thinking that if we have them within SAA, then um, their jobs might also be at stake. So we would rather have them outside. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is a very, very important point um, in this sort of African, you know, how, how the things play out uh, towards the future. Um, uh, could we, we could take some lessons from what happens with, with the SAA strike. I mean, the same thing could just as well happen at ESCOM, any of the SOEs. And it would be interesting to see what government does um, are they serious? How how hard can they get? You know that type of thing. So that's it um, from from South Africa. Oh, and then obviously important, very important, is the inflation numbers that comes out next week. I think it's worth uh, looking at. Um, what do you, you think? Do you think it dips in, below four? Break even inflation is already pricing in three point nine five. There we go. Um, so I, I think it's, it looks as though we're going below four. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's lots of articles on this, but it's just I think the the thing that a lot of people has missed is that there is no no demand um, in South Africa. So regardless of what the oil price does or what the what the rand does, yeah, if it goes out to twenty rand to the dollar, we'll see a spike in inflation. But it has to be extreme because there's no there's literally no demand in South Africa. So you can't. Uh, you know, the, those price increases can't be pushed through to the actual consumer, and that's why you're not seeing inflation. Um, the, the biggest part of inflation sits within regulated prices, and we've just spoken about that. You know, the people are saying, look, I, I can't pay more if I'm not getting services. We're seeing more and more of that. So, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it. I can't, I can't see how inflation can, can rise from where we are. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we might dip below three. Uh, below four. <laughs> if it was below three, that would have been better. But yeah, so low inflation for longer, and it might open up the the opportunity for the Reserve Bank to actually cut rates towards the end of December, and that would be great for retailers if if we see that, um, because that would be, give you a bit of an up, uptake in, in consumer spending, hopefully, and just a bit of a sentiment boost as well. Um, yeah, so I think that that that's most probably the one of the most important things to watch next week for South Africans or South African investors is inflation. And um, also in terms of inflation versus estimates as well and how the market perceives it. Um, because uh, the, the whole argument of inflation expectations also sort of dies down now because inflation expectations are also coming down. So, you know, the Reserve Bank was always saying, yeah, we can't. Because inflation expectations are still high, but now inflation expectations is also coming down, so we might be heading towards a rate cut. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Anu, thank you so much for your analysis of the week that's almost gone by and your predictions for the future. Fascinating chat. Have a great weekend. That was Anu Smith from Sky Blue Fund Managers in the Western Cape. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.